Venerable Master, Dharma friends, welcome to our sutra lecture tonight. We are going to look into the Avatamsaka Sutra's fourth ground tonight. We're starting on the fourth ground. And I'd like to invite you to please, uh, we've moved on in our text, so the new portion is in your manila folder. Please uh, locate that. And we're going to chant the name of the sutra and the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, which you'll find on the front page of that. We're going to do the Chinese name and chant it together and invoke the spiritual presence of the Buddhas and the Bodhisattvas. Here we go. Sure, would you take the temperature down to about 62? <clears throat> right now, um, these pieces of text are on their way into our binder, but we're going to print out some more. So, if you would all take good care of these because they have a life after the manila folder, they're, they're, they're transiting into our binder with the first three grounds. So uh, we'd like them nice and tidy. Good chance to practice mindfulness. All right. So, <clears throat> excuse me. This is indeed November 17th, Saturday night. We're here, Berkeley, California, studying the Flower Garland Sutra, the Avatamsaka Sutra. The Japanese call it the Keigong Kyo, and the Chinese call it the Huayanjing. Are you opening those instead of closing them? What's that? Yeah. Why don't you close them? Yeah, please. All right. Now, um, we're going to start with the title. And uh, it's on the very, very top of this, the page. And we'll do that, the title uh, and the, 
the, the name of the chapter and the Juan first, but I think I'll wait till everybody gets, gets seated here. We've been uh, working on this chapter of the, the Avatamsaka Sutra, the Ten Grounds chapter, for some time now, and we were on, uh, it took us a long time to get through each individual ground, but we're not in, quote, in a hurry to finish, that's not the point, is to, to get done we're uh, hoping to go deep instead of fast. Um, I think we actually get a pace. And, and now that uh, people are feeling more and more empowered to ask questions, to actually uh, challenge some of the things that you're hearing, we kind of generate our, our progress based on the connection that people make with the text. So... I do encourage folks to raise your hand when you have a question. If it doesn't make sense, that's, uh, that's not the fault of the sutra. It's the fault of the lecturer. And through uh, you helping me out and asking about the places where it's, uh, where it's not immediately clear, that's how we uh, arrive at, at a, a deeper insight, a deeper understanding of the text. So please do feel free to, to raise questions in the middle of the, the, the flow uh, we certainly welcome that so we can understand what's going on. Welcome also to the people who are joining us online. This is being webcast around the world. And uh, let's begin now. I'm going to put my palms together and recite the title at the very top of the page. And please recite, repeat after me. Da Fang Guang Fo Hua Yan Jing. Shi Di Pin. Good, okay, to the right, the Avatamsaka Sutra, Chapter 26, The Ten Grounds. Okay, and this is, um, it's a long chapter, Chapter 26 out of 40, we're more than halfway through the text. Uh, people should feel free to fill in the seats in front. Don't leave any empties because there will be people behind you. Don't be shy. Um, if you sit up front, you get a bench and a sutra in front of you, which is a bonus, a plus. So the, uh, the Ten Grounds is the, the chapter that talks about the Bodhisattva in particular. It's the how-to of the Bodhisattva. And we've learned that uh, this chapter follows the the practice is known as the paramitas, sometimes called the perfections, sometimes called the, the, the ways across, the ways to cross over, the paramitas. And those paramitas, usually there are six of them. Mostly people know about the six perfections or the six paramitas. When you come to the Avatamsaka Sutra, everything is in tens because it's called the teaching of totality. It's always looking for perfection. And ten is is the top of the numbers, and you start over with 11. It was 1, 0 to 9, add 1, it's 10, and you're back to 1. Um, so there are 10 paramitas in this case, and the 10 grounds match the 10 paramitas. So the first ground, the ground of happiness, is talking about giving, the, par- the paramita of generosity, the perfection of giving, dana paramita. And the second ground is is the, uh, the ground that leaves defilement behind. And that's talking about precepts and ethical 
ethical basis of Buddhist practice. The third one, the one we just finished, was the ground of blazing, uh, the ground of uh, emitting light, sending out light, and it's talking about patience. We learned how the Bodhisattva is patient in the middle of all things. Here we have number four, and it's talking about the fourth paramita, which is the paramita, the perfection of vigor, also known as strength, virya paramita. Virya in Latin, it's the same root that is, it's, it's a Sanskrit word, but it shares the same root with viril, uh, virility, strength, in other words, in in Latin. So it's the paramita, the perfection of strength and the perfection of vigor. The bodhisattva, when he, after he is patient, or while he is patient, he has to keep exerting effort, keep trying hard to, to uh, cross over from ordinary to extraordinary, cross over from this shore of samsara, birth and death, to that shore of nirvana, of beyond mortality, beyond birth and death. So this is the, the Ten Grounds chapter, chapter 26, and we're on the fourth ground. All right, now I'm going to start the, with the first stanza, and because it begins again with verses, we don't get to the prose, to the, to the uh, text until page five, our, our page five, it's actually be the page one still. But the, the chapter begins, the grounds begin and they end with verses, which is meter. It goes ba-bum, ba-bum, ba-bum. It's, it's a metered text. And because it's metered, we know that in the past they chanted it. They probably had a melody to it. Easier to remember that way. It appeals to left and right brain at the same time because it's got that little melody to it. So we've been doing that, putting a melody to the verses. And uh, I'll do this. No need to chant after. We've already done that. And I'll, uh, I'll chant the, uh, the Chinese and then read the English. Here we go. Disciples of the Buddha, hearing of these extensive practices, the profound, wondrous, supreme grounds, wholeheartedly rejoiced in delight and scattered flowers everywhere as an offering to the Buddha. All right. Chapter 4 is continuing after 3, and the third ground just finished. We finished it last week, and so this is a bodhisattva whose name is Vajra Treasury. Vajra Treasury Bodhisattva says, Disciples of the Buddha meaning all of us, if, if you can extend when this was first spoken beneath the Bodhi tree, it's certainly um, the, the Buddha's teachings are not any, they're not era specific, they're not time specific, they're not from the past, they're not heading for the future. You could say they're kind of timeless. And one way to think about that, that's not just praise, it's not just because they're good and I like them and so I tell you they're timeless. It's because the, the sutras arise from 
the human mind when it's made very quiet and very pure. The Buddha spoke the Avatamsaka from within, from inside. And when Prince Siddhartha, you know, the historical Buddha, got pure and quiet enough, the Avatamsaka Dharma was available to him. He spoke it from within. So, how old is that? How do you date that? You know, um, year one is the, the the time we wake up. So it's kind of like in there all the time, but we have to have sufficient samadhi to be able to recognize that text. And that's I think that's really a profound difference. You know, it's, it's not that this book was on a shelf somewhere and after the Buddha spoke it, or he had to go out and learn it before he told it to us. Not like that. It's, it's already coded in. It's hardwired in the mind when a certain stillness and purity connects with it, it opens and it's available to be recited. Um, that's, that's a fascinating idea. What's it like? We have a lot of analogies for it today. For example, how much hardware, um, I'm sorry, how much software do you have on your hard drive that you really haven't mastered? Probably a lot. Anybody a Photoshop expert? Right? Photoshop is deep. It goes forever. Right? Probably most of us haven't even explored all of our Microsoft Word. Right? It's just those menus go on forever. And uh, if you have... Uh, anything made by Adobe, right, in design. Uh, if you have maybe something as simple as, uh, um, if you have a Macintosh, maybe you have Viewer. Viewer has all kinds of nifty little functions within it that when you somebody points them out, you say, gee, I didn't realize I could do all that, right? So even the simplest of programs has deep levels of functions that we haven't unlocked yet. It's there all along, but you don't know how to boot it up. And once you do, it starts to work for you. And it was there, we just didn't know how to do it. So you can think that um, the mind contains wisdom that opens into the Dharma realm, into the universe. Once we learn how to operate it, there it is. Um, another example might be... Um, if you think about uh, some hotel room doors have electronic keys, right? You ever go into a hotel and you put your, your credit card key? It's not a key metal that turns in the lock. It's a credit card. And you put it in the slot. And if it's magnetically coded correctly, the light goes green and you get in your hotel room. Anybody done that? You've seen that? Your hotel key? And yeah, and slightly off, a different metal, a different uh, magnetic strip, and it's red. And you, <laughs> your door won't open, right? So the right wavelength, the right zeros and ones, uh, or however magnetic information is coded, allows the lock to work. And you get the green light, ah, you can go. You know, red light, you can't get into your room. So... Here is the Buddha who, with the right 
light of samadhi. They, the sutras talk about sanme, samadhi often as a light, with the right radiance that avatamsaka dharma is available and starts to function. So it is magical because why? It's hard to get data on samadhi, right? There aren't that many samadhi databases. Not enough people take the time to sit still long enough to enter samadhi. We're too busy doing other stuff, mostly, right? We're too busy keeping up with all the changes, the fast-moving energies of our lives. All of you had to get in a car, mostly, unless you live in the neighborhood, uh, to get here tonight. And all of the incredible amount of decisions that we had to make to get the car safely to downtown Berkeley, right? Just all of that sets the six senses in motion. And it's not easy to get close to samadhi when we've been using our senses out with traffic lights and, and uh, passing lanes and, and uh, bridge tolls and all of the, the subtle changes that we have to make to successfully negotiate a freeway, right, and to come into a city. That's not easy at all. And uh, I think every bit of that takes its toll in how long it takes us to sit still and to bring the six senses back to a single focus point. So, in any case, the, the Buddha was able to do that. The Avatamsaka Dharma starts to flow, and the Sutra arises. Was it past? Was it, is it happening now? Is it in the future? You could say it's there waiting for any one of us to make our minds still and quiet with samadhi, and then the Avatamsaka is present. It's there. That's the promise of stillness. So... Disciples of the Buddha, they heard the third ground, those members of the assembly who were there, and you could say that would include us, hearing of these the practices of the third ground, which the Bodhisattva says are they are profound, they're wonderful, they are supreme. literally means lovable. They're really fine, they're sublime, they're excellent, they're deep, they're extremely rare and special. That's what was on the third ground. Their minds, the, the two words means jump for joy. They really just, they couldn't contain themselves. They were so happy, they bounce, 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 bounce. They couldn't, literally could not contain their happiness. Have you seen kids? Do that. You remember when you used to do that? You know, so happy, you just boink, 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 boink. Can't stand still. You know, so happy, you can't contain it. Their minds were just so thrilled. Finally, I know where I can get the information to practice so that I can take across out of suffering those people who I care about who are sunk in suffering. And as a bodhisattva in training, uh, I didn't know enough. I didn't know where to look to say the right thing, to embody the right practice so that my mother, my sister, my brother, my grandparents, my kids, my teachers, my friends can get the Dharma and end their suffering. Now I do. I'm happy. Boing, 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 jumping for joy. Pusan Zhonghua what did they do? They took flowers and did this. We were 
checking the thesaurus, trying to get the right word. It's san in Chinese, which means to scatter. And mm, when was the last time you saw somebody scatter flowers? The Olympics, right? Before the, the big parade when the Olympics was opening in London, they had flowers being scattered. Maybe you saw a wedding and the flower girls came in and scattered rose petals, you know. So this was a really good offering for the Buddha from the Bodhisattvas. And they scattered flowers everywhere as an offering to the Buddha. Um, excuse me. The, they say that the gods make the best offerings. Uh, they have access to good stuff, for one. And uh, with their blessings, the, the quality of the things they have, the flowers, the robes, the incense, the music... Uh, is, is the finest kind. And so they scatter those flowers. We have two devas here on the windows. And this deva is not offering flowers. The, one, the deva on the far window is offering music. So these gods are not doing flower offerings. But those are many of the... the uh, articles of offering that are considered uh, appropriate and available for the gods to offer. Flowers are one, scattering wonderful flowers. Okay, any comments or questions on the first four lines? I think we're probably ready to move on. Okay, here we go. Yen shuo ru shi miao fa shi Tadi hai shi jie zhan dong Yi che tian yu xian huan xi Shi tu miao yin tong zan tan When such wondrous dharma was proclaimed, the planet's ground shook and the ocean's waters rolled. The goddesses in heaven rejoiced in delight and sang wondrous sounds of praise in unison. All right. So as the, as the third ground was heard and taught, the, um, there was a response among the audience. They were really, really delighted. They were so happy. When wondrous dharma like this was sounded out, Okay, here's an interesting teaching. Clock this one. The, the lore, the, the Buddha's Dharma, um, there's these, the things that grow up around the sutra include this one, which is when something really profound, something really sublime happens, there can be an earthquake. How about that? Isn't that interesting? And not only an earthquake, but it says six kinds of earthquake. The earthquakes in six ways. And then there's a list of the six. Kind of, and three of them are sounds. There's a roaring, a great roaring, and a pervasive roaring. There's a shaking, a great shaking, and a pervasive great shaking. Three kinds of movements and three kinds of sounds. Now, you know, you go, well, maybe it hasn't happened for a while. That's why we didn't know about it. Right? Or um, Maybe it happens in a spiritual realm. And so people on earth don't know about it. Or maybe it just hasn't happened for so long 
that, that uh, it could happen any minute. Somebody could get enlightened, you know, and tremor. Or you could say it's just the Hayward fault, you know. It's just a seismic event. Don't know. Don't know what, how, to, how to think about it. But here's the sutra. This happens over and over again, that the earth quakes when somebody does something truly meritorious, like getting enlightened, becoming a Buddha, speaking the Avatamsaka Dharma. So uh, this is a, a response, a kind of challenging to our you know, scientific sense of what could cause an earthquake. And an earthquake is universally considered bad, right? When is an earthquake good? Not, right? But here, as, uh, as our teacher, Master Shenhua, uh, was explaining the sutra, he would always, you know, stop with this and say, this is indeed exactly what happens. And it's not a destructive earthquake. It's a sign of celebration. It's heaven and earth registering something truly virtuous. All right, so what do you do with information like that? One thing that people can do is discredit it and go, "Mm -mm." that's superstitious, right? You can do that. You can just discredit it. Nah, wouldn't happen. And, okay, my conscious mind can't come up with anything to disprove your doubt. You can doubt it. Okay, and that's, you know, that's one way to deal with new information. I would suggest it's not the most effective way to deal with new information. One simple reason is um, the things we don't know in the world outnumber the things we do know probably by a factor of 10,000. Just look at languages. That's a really good available example. How many languages are there in the world? Large languages, over 200. Smaller languages, 600. Dialects, thousands, 6,000 maybe. Check it out, Wikipedia, just not right now. Okay, put away that cell phone. But let's say 250 major languages with speakers of over you know, 10,000 people. And how many of them do you speak? Well, in our community, we have uh, our, our chancellor, Dr. Akpinar, speaks 11 and reads three more, right? She grew up in Croatia and uh, has, uh, her husband is a Turkish Muslim, uh, so she learned Turkish. She reads and speaks Arabic. She reads Sanskrit, Latin and Greek, Croatian, Slovak, uh, Italian, German, French, Spanish, English, and you know, and her father spoke a few more than that. So she, she has that ability. But that's only twelve slacker. You know, get real. How many? Two hundred and forty. So even if it's human language, the number of languages that we don't know compared to the the ones the the best most you know brainiest speaker of languages doesn't speak very many. And then you start with bird language, whale language. We know that whales sing. So in other words, the things we don't know compared to what we do know are vast indeed. If, because 
my six senses, particularly the mind, hasn't heard of a wholesome earthquake, therefore I say they don't exist, I would hold up to you that that's pretty arrogant. Uh, there's so much that I don't know. And here's the sutra, spoken not to sell books. The Buddha didn't speak the Avatamsaka hoping to get rich as an author, right? It's not, it's not the Buddha's opinion that the fourth ground was this way. Um, you have to, to appreciate that the Buddha's motive was to help us leave suffering. All right? And so this, was a, this is as factual a book as you'll ever find. It wasn't even a book. It was the Buddha's Dharma, the teaching on helping us cross over from suffering to end of suffering, from mortality to, to the end of birth and death. So, okay, so there's another idea. This is the, the, pur the purpose of this text is to wake us up. So maybe this is the way it is, even if I don't know it yet. So with that in mind, my suggestion, when we get to an earthquake in the sutra, right? This is, boom, boom, boom. The earth just shook in the sutra. Second stanza, what happened? The planet's ground shook. Da di hai shui jie dong. So did the water on the ocean. There was a tsunami. So earthquake and a tsunami, right? Right there in the sutra. What I'm going to suggest is, what I do is I say, all right, to say it's not true does not help me at all. To put my consciousness against the sutra's wisdom is no contest. The sutra will win. So it's not useful to say, not true. My consciousness can't prove it, therefore it doesn't exist. That's using a very tiny frame of reference to measure something very large. Okay, so that's not an option for me, is to say, I haven't seen it, it doesn't exist. You can do that, but you, it's hard to grow. It's hard to learn anymore when that's my attitude. So I want to put that one aside. Another way to approach it is to say, I don't have enough information personally to verify this is true, but I take it on faith that the Buddha's intention is to tell me how things were, how they really are. So I'm going to suspend my judgment until I learn more. And the way to learn is to cultivate according to the text, to try to put it into practice and wait until I learn more about this. So I think that's intellectually safe, right? That is to say, I'm willing to learn more. I'll take it on faith, although you don't even have to say, take it on faith. I'm going to give the Buddha the benefit of the doubt and say, all right, I don't have to say right or wrong. I don't have to judge it as true or false before I will listen to it. Okay, and that's a big difference, right? If I were to say another, another option, let's, let's look at all three options. A third option would be to say, oh, it's in the sutra? It's absolutely true. I believe it 100%. Buddha said it, it's got to be true, right? I think the Buddha would say, uh-uh, intellectually dishonest. 
He never said, believe it because I said it. That would be anandharma. The Buddha would say, believe it because you have found it to be wholesome and good and valuable. You can verify it. That way, then it's worth believing in. To say, I said it, therefore you have to believe it, that's not the way the Buddha taught the Dharma. So, until I have enough wisdom to actually see the earth quaking in six ways, which I believe is a visible thing when your eyes are open, when your wisdom matches it, until I get there, I'm going to do, I'm going to suspend judgment. That's to say, I'm not going to put myself in the position to have to say, yes, it's true, no, it's false. But instead say, there's more to learn. There's more to learn. And I'll listen to it and hope to learn more. All right? So that's a third, that's the second of three options. One is to reject it, one is to accept it uncritically. I'm saying keep your critical intellect alive and learn more. That way, I don't put myself in the position of judging the Buddha's wisdom with my tiny consciousness that can't even speak more than a handful of languages. Okay? So, that's, that's one way to look at this. It's too easy to go, okay, the planet's ground shook, the ocean's waters rolled. Yeah, okay. What else? Okay, the goddess is in heaven. You know, it's like, run right by it as if it wasn't there. I'm encouraging people to engage the text. The earthquake and there's tsunami rolled. Why? The planet was celebrating the virtuous action of speaking the third ground. All right. Here's another way that makes sense to me. If we are, let's say, soccer fans. Personally, I'm not a soccer fan. I'm a football and baseball and basketball monk, right? Guy, person. Uh, <laughs> Uh, check that. Right. Soccer never, like, when I grew up, there wasn't any such thing. We didn't do soccer. We don't play no stinking soccer. Yeah, football. We don't do football. Like, unlike the rest of the whole world, you know. Boy, I spend time in Australia, and do the Aussies do his foot, foot, footy? We do footy down there. Right, footy on the telly. The footy's on the telly. Right. Put the mushrooms on the barbie. We're going to watch footy on the tally. Right. So they do it. And they also do Aussie rules football. And do they do rugby? Oh, in Australia, they go nuts for rugby. So anyway, I didn't do football. But I do know most of the world does. And when your team scores a goal, what do you do? You go crazy right in the stands. You know, crazy. You make loud noises with your voice and you jump up and down, and if you can find somebody from the other team, you beat him to a pulp, you know. That's traditional, I guess. So, people celebrate when something is meritorious, when something's good, right? If your country wins a medal at the Olympics, oh my goodness, right? Hong Kong won a silver this year in, was it uh, badminton? Hong Kong, anybody remember? Don't, don't check. Put that cell phone on. Hong Kong won a medal. I think Malaysia won a medal, too. Right? Big deal. Big deal. Taiwan won weightlifting and uh, bronze, I think. That's 
really something. And when those athletes go home, oh my goodness, you know. So the point is, in the world, victory, success, makes us spontaneously cheer. There's something about it. When your kid, if you have a kid, is out there on stage for the school play, you know, you applaud extra loud when it's your kid out there singing on the stage. And the point is that celebration happens, you could say, spontaneously. It's just a natural thing. When something as virtuous, as full of goodness, as the Buddha speaking the Dharma of the Ten Grounds happened, heaven and earth, the sentient qualities in the universe, respond in kind. It's a good thing to hear about liberation. The bodhisattvas are talking about getting free from suffering. That's a good thing. It's rare. It's the real path out of suffering. And not just for me, but for anybody who I am connected to, according to the, the sutra. That's a good thing. Heaven and earth goes... The earth shakes. The waters roll. Um, there are sections in the sutra where, when uh, the bodhisattvas finish speaking, flowers fall spontaneously. Okay, there's another one where you go, I'm not so sure. Haven't heard it being had. Okay, here we go. There's a monk named Fadzang. He was a Tang Dynasty Dharma master, and he translated texts. He was a, a famous translator. He was the third of what is called the Huayan, Huayan Zu Shi, Huayan Zong Zu Shi, the Avatamsaka school's patriarchs. He lectured on the text, but it was the 60 Huayan, not the 80. He lectured on the, the first, called the Jin Huayan, the Jin dynasty Huayan, Avatamsaka Sutra. The empress came down to listen to him. He was so good. He could lecture on that text. Shurfa would say, the, the heavens sent down garlands of flowers and the earth put forth purple golden lotuses in celebration. All right, so here we have this incredible monk, Master Fazang, Huayan Di Sanzu, the third patriarch of the Avatamska school, who took this text and did what we're doing tonight, right? He explained it. It was, the, it was the earlier one. And the empress came. Wu Zetian came down to listen to him. And uh, when he finished, they said there was a rainfall of ganlu, sweet dew, whatever ganlu is, right? Water fell out of the sky. Sounds were heard. And the water that fell out of the sky was sweet. It rained sweet water. Now, okay, you go, right, you doubt it. The Chinese are incredible historians. The Chinese have been 
incredible historians for a very long time. Eclipses, written right down. There is a date of every celestial event in China that's happened since the Han Dynasty, since before the Han Dynasty. You could, the Chinese write everything down. That's why there's libraries and libraries in China. China. There's historical events that go back to the time of, of Jesus and 500 years before. So that event was recorded in the histories by non-Buddhists. A remarkable rain fell over many counties in China that was sweet. And everybody said, yeah, that's weird. I mean, it's really... Yeah. <laughs> And it's in the histories that that happened. Exactly on the date that Master Fatzang finished lecturing on the Alhambra. So you go, huh, funny. There's an example of, you could say, a, a Dharma realm event, something that happened in Fajie, that the human realm recorded. So, heaven and earth celebrating the meritorious event of Fatzang, Fasher lecturing, he translated the sutra, and then lectured on it. And when that was done, it was a big deal. Big deal. When you look into the uh, history surrounding this text, the Huayin Jing, there's a, there are um, lots of miracles surrounding it. And uh, monks in the past have collected them. And uh, there are, there's just lots of uh, things that you know, science or rational, the rational mind is challenged by doesn't mean they didn't happen, but it certainly stretches your your ability to process. Okay, sometimes sometimes they happen in dreams. Now, I'm going to tell a story uh, about somebody who will rename who will remain nameless. I won't mention that it was Gohua's dream, because Gohua's really not listening, right? So Goha won't be embarrassed by this. You're li not listening, right, Goha? Okay, so her face is turning red up there. So, so here at the monastery, we lectured on the Di Zangjing, the Shitagarbha Bodhisattva Sutra, your store Bodhisattva Sutra. And uh, this was already, what, might have been seven, seven or eight years ago. And Goha... Uh, who recites that, I, won't, I shouldn't praise her. I'm not going to, close your ears up there, all right? So she recites the sutra every single day. And there are a lot of people, she's not the only one who does that, but that's a practice she's kept up for a long time, reciting the Restore Sutra, sometimes more than once. So we announced that we were going to lecture on the Avatam, on the Restore Bodhisattva Sutra. And uh, Goha came in and said, I had a dream. And uh, she's not one to brag or even talk about. She didn't talk at all very much. So her sister had to prod her. So Guojian said, tell your dream. Okay. So in the dream, she saw dragons. Lots of dragons. Like lots and lots of dragons. Big ones, little ones, silver ones, golden ones, green ones, red ones. And they were all going in one direction. They were all heading somewhere, and they all had a purpose. And the dragons were trucking along, you know. A whole, I don't know, what do dragons come in? Flights of dragons or flocks of dragons? A flock of dragons is going by. And uh, Goha, being Goha, reached out and, and asked one of them, where are you going? 
And the dragon turned to her in her dream and said, You didn't hear? They're going to be lecturing on the Earth Store Sutra at the Berkeley Monastery. We're going to listen. She said she put out her hand to touch one, and the scales were very cool and very smooth. She said. Correct? Was that it? Did I leave any details out? Chabador, huh? The, the dragons were reciting Namo Di Zang Wang. The, the dragons were reciting Namo Di Zang Wang Pu Zang. Can everybody hear her? I, I can't quite hear Goha. Wow. So, as they, give me, see if I get it right. As they were flying, there were tree spirits that were excited when they heard the dragons reciting. And so the tree spirits decided to come along, flying along too. And they, uh, she said, the, the, the dragon's claws were really, really big. And, and they were all heading to the monastery. Did you reach, reach out and touch one? She's pointing over here. Okay, so kind of like the dragons on the windows here. Yeah. Okay, so, all right. Thank you, Kohas. I shouldn't put you on the spot like that. Sometimes you can. Okay, so that's a dream, right? And people treat dreams differently. Some people take dreams as more real than reality. Other people disregard dreams. Are they miracles? Are they ordinary? Are they true? Are they false? Again, if you ask those questions, you're not going to get useful information. Why? Can't prove it. Is a dream true? A dream is a dream. As soon as you wake up, it's no longer the mind functioning that way. It's gone. So is that useless? No, it can be useful if you if you listen to what the dream is telling you. So anyway... Um, my point in, in bringing out that story was that well, that's a fun story, you know. And you think, wow, the dragons like the Aristotle Sutra, you know. Um, so, I think the more valuable thing is to say that uh, consciousness works by dividing things up. In Chinese, they call it the fun xin, the mind that distinguishes by chopping fun fun fun, you know, it cuts things up. And we learn a lot by reducing information to little quantifiable units. A, B, C, D, four, four, more, four, one, two, three, four. We can know it when we reduce it to smaller units. 
wisdom works in another way that in, incorporates that chopping, but it integrates information back into larger units. Wisdom is able to see huge connections. And the connection between this realm that the Buddha is living in and speaking from and our discriminating consciousness that goes to sleep four, five, six, eight hours a night and wakes up again. And the Buddha's wisdom is, is bright at all times. So many of the things that we would call miraculous or magical live in that realm where things are integrated back together, not divided up, chopped up into smaller units in order to know them. So um, what seems to us to be strange and weird and unusual may in fact just be part of the continuity that we check out of and come back in. We see it kind of dimly, kind of know that it's there, but not really. And with samadhi, with the practice of stillness and purity, concentration, bit by bit it comes clear. We stitch it into a larger whole. So it's yang yong wu ai. It's uh, interconnected without obstruction. All right, so the earth shook and the waters rolled. The goddesses in heaven rejoiced in delight. The tian nu, what does it say? Yi chie tian nu, xian huan qi, all the goddesses. Uh, it specifies that the goddesses were happy with that third ground. They were really delighted. And xi tu miao yin tong zan tan. In unison, they praised. They said, good indeed, good indeed. How wonderful. Lovely. Sounds of praise. So, Samantabhadra Bodhisattva has uh, ten practices and the that he recommends for, for all bodhisattvas who would follow. And the second of those is Changzan Rulai, praise the Buddha. Is anybody tuned in to contemporary Christian music, CCM? Contemporary Christian music? Probably not so many here. Nobody listens? Nope. Contemporary Christian music is huge, huge genre. It's praise about 90%. Songs about God and Jesus being very good. And it's new. There hasn't been this, you know, hasn't been a commercial thing where young people can get a band together and sing CCM, contemporary Christian music. And if you live in the Bay Area, you don't get to hear it very much. There's not even a station. You have to like go searching on your FM dial to find it. But as soon as you head through the tunnel into Contra Costa County, it starts to pick up. As soon as you go out to Sacramento, it's hard to get rid of it. It's hard to not listen to it. If you head uh, over the Sierras and you're now in Nevada or Utah, it's everywhere. This is a, an important genre now. And uh, just to point to it, because, you know, most of us would, living here would just be totally oblivious, didn't know it even existed. 
but contemporary Christian music has its stars and its uh, uh, fads that come and go, and and uh, it's a big, powerful medium in communicating praise, by and large, praising the the Trinity, and and uh, it's a, another another universe out there of of praise music. And uh, should Buddhism have its own praise tradition? What do you think? Amitabha's body is the color of gold. Splendor of his hallmarks has no peer. Bodhisattva Guan Shuyin. Right? We do. We have earth store Bodhisattva. We have our own praise songs coming. I think they're really valuable and uh, we should explore that because a lot of um, a lot of folks will listen to music who won't ever consider coming to a sutra lecture and uh, Buddhist praise music could be a, a very powerful way to, to bring that, that uh, message forward so They sang wondrous sounds of praise in unison. Okay, let's move on down to the third stanza. Any questions or comments about all those ideas? Okay, here we go. Zizai Tian Wang Da Xin Qing Yu Mo Ni Bao Gong Yang Fo Zan Yan Fo Wei Wo Chu Xing the god Ishvara was very happy and sent down money jewels like rain in offering to the Buddhas. He praised them. The Buddha has appeared for our sakes to explain the foremost practices of merit and virtue. Okay, I'm going to make a change here. Um, I think it should be he praised him. Oh, Buddhas. Okay. Uh, let's see here. We've got a, 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 uh, a number problem in our text. He sent down money jewels like rain and offering to the Buddhas. Probably, probably should be to the Buddha. And then he praised him. The Buddha has appeared for our sakes to explain the form of praxamari. Uh, okay. Who is the god Ishvara? He's uh, called Zidzaitian. Um People know how the Buddha's heavens are built. We've talked about it. There's the six desire heavens. There's the 28 form realm, the Brahma heavens, and then the four formless heavens. And they're, they're often thought of as vertical. And Ishvara is right in between the desire realm, the six desire realm heavens, and the 28 Brahma heavens. He, if you've seen a picture from Indian uh, mythology or Indian cosmology of a god riding around on an ox, and the ox has three eyes, a big ox, a big animal, a water buffalo, he's got three eyes. That's... Ishvara, the god has three eyes. And he, 
is, they say that he is very tzadzai, he is very ishvara, free and easy. He, is, he attains self-mastery. He does what he wants. And he is able, he's above Mara. Mara lives in that sixth realm. And Ishvara is above him and can go into the desire realm, go up to the Brahma realm. Uh, Shurfu would talk about him. Master Shrenhua would talk about him uh, and say he's very proud, even arrogant. He would say that. I don't think I dare say that because I don't see him. But I heard that, that this God feels very much... uh, He's his own boss. He's, he's very pleased to be Ishvara. And above him is Dadzadzaitian, Maheshvara, Maha Ishvara. So there's another god above. And then the Brahma gods begin. So whether or not what his character is like, we'll talk about that some other day. We know that he was very happy to hear the third ground. And he made an offering of Mani jewels. Mani jewels, they say, are a kind of stone, a precious stone, that we don't have in our human realm. They're uh, said to be uh, quite wonderful. They are uh, brilliant. They're very hard. They can cut. They're valuable to the extreme. And Ishvara is just tossing them there, like rain as an offering to the Buddha. And he praises the Buddha and says, Wei wo chu xing. For wei wo chu xing. The Buddha appeared for us. The Buddha could have gone on into nirvana on the spot beneath the Bodhi tree. He didn't. He decided to speak the Dharma. How nice. Yan shuo di yi gong de hang. To talk about the foremost practices of merit and virtue. And that is a good thing, said Ishvara. Okay, so this is just narrative. This is fairly straightforward. This is moving the story along, right? There's no profound Dharma principle being explained here. This is kind of the moving the story forward. So it's a narrative part of the text. Sometimes that's there. Can we turn over? Would you turn over, please, four and five from page four to page five? We're still listening to Ishvara, the god, speak. Okay, here we go. Pusa-shang-hang-miao-fa-yin. In a hundred thousand eons, it's hard to get to hear principles such as these, the grounds of the wise ones. Now our chance has come and we can hear the wondrous Dharma sound of Bodhisattva's sublime practices. All right. Ishvara's voice, he's really good at talking how, how much he enjoys hearing about the third ground. In a hundred thousand eons, it's hard to get to hear principles like these. The grounds of the wise ones. It's not often you get to hear the ten grounds spoken. 
But now our chance has come. All of a sudden, he says, here is not me, it's us. This is plural. We, we now, at this moment, suddenly, get to hear them. The wondrous Dharma sound of the Bodhisattva's sublime practices. What would that be? That would be the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, the Twelve Links of Conditioned Arising, the Six Paramitas, the Ten Paramitas, and what we're going to find in the fourth ground, which is the 37 limbs of enlightenment, also known as the 37 wings of awakening. That's the heart of this ground coming up. It's amazing. These, these practices, these wondrous bodhisattva practices. Um, what are they like? I'll tell you in a minute after we recite one more stanza. Okay, so hang in. Don't go away. Here we go. Yen gong yen shuo chong hui zhe Ho di jie ding wu yu dao Li yi yi jie zhu tian ren Ci zhu fo zi jie yao wen we hope that you, wise one, will go on to proclaim the path of the next ground decisively, omitting nothing. For the benefit of every god and human, we disciples of the Buddha would all like to hear it. So here's the god speaking. This is the Avatamsaka Sutra, and the god makes the request. That's really interesting that the, uh, we get to hear from the devas, the voice of a deva, who knows what the ten grounds are and wants to hear it. So he's, he is a big fan of the Dharma. And he saying, okay, please, please continue. Vajra Treasury Bodhisattva. What does he say? We hope that you, wise one, will go on to proclaim the path of the next ground decisively. And don't, let it, don't leave anything out. To benefit all of the devas and the humans here. We, disciples of the Buddha, all want to hear what you're going to say. Please continue. All right? Now, what are the 37 limbs of enlightenment, 37 wings of awakening? They have different names. They are lists of dharmas. There are 37 in all, and we're going to find out what they are in detail, one by one, um, as we go into the fourth ground. Now, let's take a step back. What happened in the third ground? In the third ground, the Bodhisattva in the third ground woke up and started to see through the surface of things. He saw that everything moves on. Nothing lasts. And that's a freak out. I mean, that's really scary when you see that the things you thought are solid are not solid. The things you thought are dependable are not dependable, including your body, including the planet, including your relationships. They don't last. And the Bodhisattva, because he had enough wisdom, or she had enough wisdom, was able to balance in the middle of that and not get depressed, not go out and party until she lost consciousness, you know, in reaction, not get scared. Instead, the Bodhisattva said, wow, that's true. I understand that's really the case. And I can live with that and not attach to things. But 
the living beings, the people who I'm connected with, do not have that much wisdom. When the things they love and hang on to start to break up, they're going to hurt like crazy. There's a lot of suffering involved in the nature of all conditioned things, all things that are made up of components. So I've got to wake them up, he said, she said. That's the third ground. The Bodhisattva resolves to find out how to wake people up. What's the conclusion? Buddha Dharma. Buddha Dharma is what the Bodhisattva decides to learn. He decides to go find someone who can speak the Dharma. Anybody who can speak the Dharma. And decides that he'll give anything if he can learn even a single line of Dharma that will help him or her purify their bodhisattva practices, to get better at it. That's the values that the bodhisattva on the third ground talk about, right? Different values than most of us. Wants to hear the Dharma. Do you give anything for it? So, what happens in the fourth ground? Gets to hear the Dharma. Fourth ground is the list of techniques, these supreme practices that the bodhisattva learns in order to teach. They're called Sanshichi Daopin. Uh, sometimes called Sanshichi Puti Fanfa. The 37 limbs of enlightenment, the 37 wings of awakening, the 37 shares of the path. They have all these different names. And it's a list of practices. So we'll find out when we get there and we'll unpack them one by one. But they're Fascinating. There are things that you can do with your body, mouth, and mind to help you wake up and to help others wake up. And it's kind of like, what's it like? Kind of like a school curriculum. You say you want to get a master's degree. Well, here are the courses you need. Here's the tuition you have to pay. Here are the books you have to read. Here's the uh, tests you have to pass. And at at the end of all that, you get your M.A., And you are a master of arts, master of science, master of business administration, MBA, right? If you want to, you decide you want to become a letter carrier, a male woman, right? Mailman, letter carrier. What do you have to do? You show up, you get the little handbook, and they say you've got to pass these tests. If you qualify, you can carry letters for the U.S. Postal Service. So you go, okay. I have to learn this stuff and pass the test. Now I can carry letters. And it's the same thing. The Bodhisattva says, I want to learn the Buddha Dharma to teach living beings. Okay, try this. 37, limbs of awakening. Let's start with the Four Noble Truths. Here they are. What about the five roots? What about the five powers? On and on. So, 37 of them, we'll find out what they are one by one. Coming up. Um, hearing about praises in front of you, you should have a songbook. Could you turn to page 12 in your songbook? I thought since we're hearing about contemporary Christian praise music, we do actually have contemporary Buddhist praise music as well. And you're going to make some. Thank mm-hmm. you.
This is Amazing Grace, which I'm sure you all know. two lines again. 
So, praises to the Buddha. Um, we need more of those. But it has to be real. You have to feel that wish to praise before it communicates. Um, could I ask you all, please, to kindly put this in order, slip it back in that manila folder, because we have to uh, bind them in the binder and add more pages, and we'll, we'll pick those up later. Now, we're going to end at 9 o'clock tonight because yours truly has to get in a car and head south at 5.30 in the morning to Gold Sage tomorrow down in San Jose because it's the um, Emperor Liang's repentance time. And before everybody bows the Emperor Liang's repentance, we're going to transmit the Eightfold Precepts, the Bhagwan Saiji. And that starts at 7 a.m. Mm. So if anybody wants to hustle home and get ready so you can take the Eightfold Precepts and bow the repentance, um, we'll give you a head start at 9 o'clock. Um, I'll be going down in the morning, and I want to make sure that I, my brain is awake and my eyes are open before I try to transmit the precepts and then explain the sutra down there. So that's going to be at Gold Sage on uh, Clayton Road down in San Jose tomorrow morning. Then we'll be off. I'll be back for lunch. So there will be uh, uh, four monks here for lunch tomorrow. Uh, hint, hint. In case their fridge is empty, I don't know. That's, um, I'm sure that'll all work out just fine. And I was told that one of the students from Salesian High School who came here on Friday morning is missing her cell phone. So if anybody has found a cell phone among the meditation cushions or around, we know whose it is. All right? We just learned that it was missing. So... If we all could look around left and right and see if there's a, a loose cell phone floating around, that would be appreciated. Tomorrow at 4.30, not 5 o'clock, the nuns from Aloka Vihara are coming, uh, Sister Nanda Bodhi and Sister Santachita, to do their uh, Dharma, uh, monthly Dharma afternoon. There's a chance to drink tea with them. Usually at 5, they're moving ahead by half an hour, 4.30. And uh, they will be um, speaking Dharma here. And it's particularly from the perspective of of religious women. They're ordained in the Theravada tradition and uh, very articulate. So they will be here tomorrow um, in the afternoon. Tea is 4.30. And I don't know if they begin at 7 as a result of that. I think they run everything up half an hour. So we'll have to, to uh, uh, figure out who will be here to greet them tomorrow. Um, otherwise, the this week is going to be a fairly standard week. If you'd like to find out the details of what we do, it's printed in the brochure that's available just outside on the distribution table. It's also there on berkeleymonastery.org berkeleymonastery.org you can spell that all out and you'll get the detailed schedule and should you want to have the Berkeley Monastery newsletter delivered to your very own inbox Angela would you identify yourself here here is Angela she's the person to talk to to give your email address to 
and we'll make sure that it comes uh, through the magic of email directly to you so you can find out what's going on in advance to know uh, about all our events. Um, what other announcements do we have? How did the DRBY thing turn out today? Did you go out for ice cream at the end? Is that not? What's that? Good meeting, but the ice cream didn't happen. It was gelato. I know, this is Berkeley. Ice cream is just too ordinary. It was gelato, right? Not? Okay. So, uh, let me, you can brief me on, on what's going on. We're um, in the process of looking at the Sunday evening sutra lecture at City of 10,000 Buddhas with the eye to somehow making it more interactive. That would be, we just, it's been, it's in discussion right now. It's not fixed at all. But it would be good to kind of pump some new life in the Sunday evening lectures up there. To, just to keep people awake, if for no other purpose. Um, and we're thinking of maybe doing something like, this was a suggestion, taking Samantabhadra Bodhisattva's Ten Practices and Vows and... Uh, using the text as a uh, uh, the kind of the downbeat to talk about monastic practice, how to bow to the Buddhas, how to praise. We've just talked about that. How to make offerings, how to repent. Following the ten vows of Samantabhadra, using the text, but then going into it. What does it mean to bow to the Buddha in the 21st century? What's involved? I mean, we do it a lot, but do we understand what we're doing? What are some of the options when you bow? You bow with your body, can you bow with your mind? Or do you have to? And if you decide that you want to bow with your mind, how do you do that? Well, there's lots and lots of writing about that, and, and uh, the ancients thought about that a lot. And so um, we're thinking of letting that be a kind of an interactive uh, translation and lecture practice session on Sunday night, 7.30 at City of 10,000 Buddhas. So that's uh, where we have to finish the ground that we're on right now, we're on, or the transference. We're on the sixth transference. So we're going to move through that till we reach a, a good uh, jumping off place and then go from there. So that's kind of, we're considering that possibility. And... Uh, The, the clock is ticking and we're going to try to figure out how to manage my being away uh, come January because I'll be traveling again to Australia and uh, we want to make sure that the sutra lectures on Saturday night uh, carry forward and we've decided that uh, Ajahn Guna will take the first week and then uh, Qin Wei Shi will take the second week and then Guo Xun Shi will take the third week and when Da Xing comes back the fourth week will be entirely in Italian so <laughs> so maybe not maybe that's not the best way so but we need to figure out a way somebody said well you can just uh, lecture in Australia and we'll Skype it back if 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 i appeared on a screen here in from Australia, I think the attendance would probably. 
We can watch a TV at home, Dharma Master. You know? So it's better to have a live lecture, uh, a breathing instead of virtual live lecture. And so we have to figure out how to do that. Still under discussion. All suggestions will be entertained. Okay. Technology gives us a boost into going to go from Berkeley out via this camera to the to the internet is one thing, but to go to have you come and everybody else watches the screen. Don't know. How many people are online tonight joining us? Fifty-three. Fifty-three views. Fifty-three people have clicked on the lecture tonight. Good. All right. Any more things to announce? Tiants, uh, T and Dharma will be the following Tuesday, not this coming. Is it this coming Tuesday? No, it's the one follow. Right. Yes? Let me check. That would be a shocker, wouldn't it? Um, this is only the 17th so we've got another week to go oh I know what it was Uh, Thanksgiving Um, Thanksgiving at the monastery is kind of off the radar but but, uh, popular we don't officially do Thanksgiving it's just another day but people show up so if you would like to come for a Buddhist Thanksgiving no turkey maybe tofurkey the only turkeys will be live ones with all their feathers on. <laughs> the feathers, the turkeys around here get to keep their feathers. And we actually have turkey puppets who talk to you and thank you. And so the thanksgiving comes from the turkeys, right? And from the humans who get to say, we're so glad that we didn't have the bad karma of killing you. So it's a mutual thanksgiving, you know, giving of thanks. But the turkeys will be there in person to thank you, guaranteed. Um, so that's going to happen, and uh, people are welcome. We do it early in the morning, and then you can go home and have Thanksgiving with your families or with your extended friends. And if you watch football or not, that's up to you, right? We won't have any football on the screen here, probably. Is Cal playing? If Cal's playing, we might make an exception, but I don't think so. Probably not. Okay, uh, the last page of your songbook has the dedication of merit. And the dedication of merit is done uh, actually dedicating. We make a wish to send out the goodness that comes from being together with wholesome Dharma friends to do good deeds. And uh, we make a wish. We're glad that the rain is falling. Nancy Lee. Our old Dharma friend Nancy uh, passed away in uh, Taiwan. Nancy was our our self-appointed flower lady for a long time, and much uh, much beloved around here. And her son came to let us know that she uh, peacefully passed away in Taiwan. So, those of you who remember Nancy, uh, if you'd like to send goodness her way, I'm sure it would be appreciated. Her paiway is is in the Uh, rebirth hall so please do make a wish and we'll uh, send it out together with our minds in unison here we go
知道之进，非道之退，在善而从，不善而改